The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. This is Walter Ciades Fedcheck bringing you another edition of the 2017 Spring Split EU LCS Guess the Line podcast. It's week four. It's week four. We're, we're, we're almost to the halfway point in this bizarre 10-week European LCS season. Is it getting... Is it, it's getting irritating that I, I bring up the schedule every time because it really irritates me. Yeah, well, the schedule's irritating. How about it's that? Terrible. It's that? terrible. And, of course, the person I always irritate with it, my good friend and co-host, Chase, Redshirt King Wassenaar. Chase, what a weekend. Yeah, what it's a, a shame weekend. they canceled the Super Bowl. That would have been really fun, but uh, I guess it, it just happen. wasn't meant to be. It didn't happen. It was just four hours of Lady Gaga, just just a four-hour Lady Gaga concert. It was yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, that part Which, was all right. You know, <laughs> I, I, I wish it had been like 48 hours so that I wouldn't have had to watch like most of the European LCS. Because oh. Chase, Europe's, Europe's being a little hard to watch. It's getting to that point where it's, where it's a little difficult to watch. But there is some good. There's always some good with the bad. So Chase, what was your up for Europe in week three? Uh, I'm going to point to the most pleasant surprise of the week, and it's the only team that we predicted to win who didn't. Uh, uh, I should say they beat the team that we predicted to win. That would be Misfits. I was very pleased with what I saw from Misfits this week. And it comes down to uh, the point I made last week, which is that, yes, they play a lot like the Spring Split Vitality team that we saw from you know last year. But Spring Split Vitality was a top four team. You can win a lot of games by giving yourself a, you know, put if you give yourself a chance to succeed, you put yourself in a position that if the enemy makes a mistake, you can capitalize on it. You're going to be able to beat a lot of teams that way because every little opening that they got, they did such a good job of exploiting. The way that Power of Evil just chased down Amazing and Soaz, like he was on a vendetta from everything he had to go through at Origin. It was just glorious. I loved seeing Kakao just, you have this, uh, you know, great mobility around the map, uh, really impressed me in a way that I was not expecting and how he handled the objectives, uh, you know, really good uh, around Baron this time around. Uh, I, I think that Alfari... You know, if he can fix his laning issues, he's going to be great. I mean, he has proven time and again that he is uh, very good in teamfights. And I'm just waiting for that to all kind of come together. And this is, you know, and this is in a meta where Hansama can't be the hard carry that we think he's very possible to be. 
it just feels like everything's breaking Misfits' way right now. And I'm not sure if it's because of some of the issues that other teams are showing. It's, it's something that, as you just said, some of these games have gotten a little silly to watch, and you get to a point where just being a good team, being a consistent team, and being able to understand what your win condition is and execute it, that's more than enough to beat a fair chunk of teams that are currently in Europe right now. And if they're here after three weeks, when they're a pretty young team, when a lot of these guys, this is their first experience in the LCS, just imagine where they're going to be six weeks from now. This is exciting. It's, it is fun if you're a Misfits fan right now. And, and shout out to them because they, uh, their team has really uh, pulled this off so well so far. I'm, I'm not even going to try to come up with another up because uh, I agree. It's Misfits. I think Misfits, the, the 2-0 uh, over, over Fnatic was just uh, phenomenal. I don't think that there's... I don't think that this team has really shown its full potential. Like you said, Han Sama hasn't gotten a chance to be in a pure eight, you know, carry kind of 80 carry meta. Um, even something like Lucian is, is while it's not as strong as the vein in terms of pure carry by itself, that's definitely more in his wheelhouse. It's more about laning harass and trying to dominate the lane. And with Ash and Jin and Varus, that's just not really the case. They're more about wave clearing and playing safe and being utility for the team, but he's really showing that he's getting better at those champions. He's getting better at that play style. He's really adapting. Um, and that's about the entire rest of the team outside of Kakao. Uh, everybody else has been very adaptable, playing different styles, playing different champions, you know, very kind of plug-and-play. And I think that that'll be kind of one of their weaknesses going forward is Kakao is, it seems to be very stiff in yes. terms of what he can play, his play style. And if it, anything tends to swing away from that, he struggles quite a bit. I don't think that's that'll be enough to derail them in any any sense of the word. I think they're still, uh, you know, a very strong contender. They're probably going to have you know that playoff spot coming out of Group A. It'll just be whether it's the second seed or the three seed, uh, and whether you know Fnatic can fix any of their issues. Which, God, you know, man, do they have some issues? And speaking of issues, like I said, with every up, there's a down. Chase in Europe, it is definitely no different. What was your down for this? You know, we have been fortunate enough. We've talked to two great owners so far this split. Uh, it was awesome having Yos on the show. Hopefully you guys caught that on Monday when it came out. Uh, we've talked to Marty, obviously, earlier this season. Yep. And there's something that's consistent with teams that are run by good owners. And you can add Fnatic to this list. You can add Misfits to this list. You know, there, there are plenty of teams that have pulled that off. Um, the, the number one thing is we don't hear about huge behind-the-scenes issues from teams that know what they're doing. For example, we don't hear stories about signing a player that doesn't speak English when you believed he did because you never even bothered to talk to him. Vitality. You know, I, we don't hear these kinds of stories about other teams. We don't hear things like uh, Hachani, you know, can't sleep and he has these huge issues, so that's why he's not able to work out. When you already had sleep issues with another player last year in Hjornin. And it's amazing because they, they'll go on Reddit and there's just this disconnect where they'll say things, and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote them here. We understand that from an external point of view, these those repeated issues can be linked to a bad environment. What internally would say that you have two guys with sleep issues, three Korean imports that have all worked terribly for you? What's the internal thing that justifies this? What is the, the trump card that Team Vitality believes they have in their back pocket 
that makes what's going on with them okay. I don't understand. It's, it's a genuine... You know, and and for the record, they don't deserve crap over Lyra. I've seen people try to lump Lyra into it. I will give Vitality that. It's it's very common that, you know, some Koreans do feel more comfortable living in California where there's a high Asian population versus Berlin. Totally understand that. I will not give them... They only have to learn one language. You know, they they only have to learn English. They move to Berlin. You kind of have to learn English and German to kind of live in Berlin, so... It's, It's a very different experience and not one for everybody. You know, I loved doing that when I was over in Germany, but... I understand a lot of people don't, and I totally get why. I'm not going to give them crap for that. I am going to say that this is a team that has repeatedly, A, hung on to guys too long, uh, looking at you, uh, Cabbage, uh, Nuke Duck, really, more than anything else. Cabo a little bit. Uh, They... So, you know, have done terrible jobs scouting Korean guys. GBM, apparently, we're just never going to see him. Hachani, Mighty Bear, Police. I mean, at some point, you have to be able to understand that there's a flaw in the system and take steps to fix it. And when you go on Reddit and try to say, well, you you guys are seeing a problem, but if you knew how much we cared, I don't care how much you care. I care about the results. You guys are not proving it with any tangible quality that you know how to bring out the best in your players. And that's a huge concern when we're supposed to believe that you guys can, you know, make a play and make a run at group B. I, I hate everything we're hearing about this, and we don't even know who their support's going to be. We don't have any idea uh, what it comes Yeah, it, it's... So, so from a- what AOD I saw... AOD is, is the starter, because he's, he's a sub now, but they're talking about bringing in causing. They talked about tryouts. Like, this is... This is toaster all over again. You know what? <laughs> fun, fun fact about AOD, by the way, for anyone curious... Uh, he played for H2K as a, you know, as a, when they were back in Challenger in 2014 and took two years off of the game playing competitively. If you believe that he's going to be able to come in and do better than Hachati, I've got a bridge I'd love to sell you. Have, have fun with that, Vitality fans. Who knows? Maybe the tryouts will work out well and they'll bring in causing and... I, I don't know, man. I don't like any of this, and I definitely don't like Vitality's uh, laissez-faire attitude about it, at least how they're presenting themselves. Ah, you're getting the Frenchian to, uh, to really embarrass the organization. <laughs> Listen, I, my doubt is, is the general ineptitude of the bottom four teams. I'm just going to be in general. Yeah. Whether it's management ownership issues, whether it's uh, player personality issues, whether it's gameplay issues, let us not kid ourselves that there is a general ineptitude among the bottom four teams, and and really, I was only going to say the bottom three teams to start, but with everything that's happened with Hachani, I have to lump Vitality in here, because out of these four teams, there is not one that I look at and I go, yeah, they can make a late run in their group. Yeah, I think they really can. Giants is just a helter-skelter mess. We all know Knight is not performing to the exact same level that he was last split. It There are moments, he has his games where all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that's... But he was doing that game in, game out last mm-hmm. summer. Game in and game out, it was Knight is performing at this level, and she really camped him, and those games were few and far between. There's probably maybe five or six over the course of the year where you could really point out and say, okay, Knight doesn't look good. But the rest of them, they did. And now it's like half of them. He just looks mediocre. Mm-hmm. And it could be the champion pools. I, I don't think they're all that different from the end of end of the summer where he was still doing okay, not the playoffs and regionals, whatever. Um, Rock at... 
they're not as bad as Orion. I guess I can give them that. They had a, they had that nice plucky win against Fnatic, and even the third game I thought was closer yeah. um, than than the final score really indicated. Even game one was closer than the final score indicated. There are moments among these three teams where you're like, okay, like this actually looks like an LCS team, but then the rest of it is just so so bad, so inept. And we're not even going to talk about the the monkey in the room, the elephant in the room, whatever I want to call it, the grill in the room, in Nahoon and Origin. I still, I, in 10 years, when we have a 30 for 30 about Orion, there's going to be just a five-minute clip, and they're going to stare X Peke straight in the face, and he's going to be wearing his Red Bull hat, and he's going to have a nice clean shave. You know, they're going to show his Gillette razor as he's, you know, shaving, getting ready for the day. I don't know, he's going to drive a Maserati or something. And do, hey, the dude's just adding sponsors to his personal portfolio at this moment. And they're going to ask him, okay, so what was the deal with Nahoon? And it's just going to be a five-minute shrug. He's just going to, I don't know. I don't know. I, you want to know what the saddest part know. is? I'm convinced he's the best player on that team. I genuinely believe that. Nahoon deserves better than who he's surrounded with. And I'm wisdom. saying that about an 0-25 mid later. With wisdom, wisdom and Satorius are, are probably better. No. I, wisdom, I will absolutely uh, say no. Satorius has huge overextending issues. No, no matter what, the fact that we could even have a conversation about it is a really bad sign. <laughs> Shout out to, the ladies and gentlemen, your 2017 origin. Congratulations. We can all agree that Eva is the worst player in the European LCS, correct? I feel I feel bad. I don't want to call the guy out, but I'm going to call the guy out. He's the worst player in the European LCS, correct? I I mean, if you're, I, I would say this: if you define bad by the absence of good, undoubtedly so. There have been players who I think have made more individually jaw-droppingly terrible performances. Looking at you, Hachani, but this is just game in and game out adding the minimum amount of value that a support could possibly add to a team. And I wish I had been wrong about him. I, you know, I, I say this at the beginning of every season, I would love for everyone to play their best because it's so much more fun to watch. And I share your frustrations because there are four teams right now that not only are they not good, but they're not fun. There's like, you know, there are a couple little things that you can try to hold on to, but it's, it's getting it's ugly. It's not now, a it's now Chase. Yes. I hate that participation trophy type culture. There are winners and there are losers on this planet. <laughs> and unfortunately, currently this podcast is among those losers because we just can't seem to figure out Europe. Well, okay, we figured out Europe. It's the the, the favorites always win. The yeah. favorites have won every single game uh, except one over the past two weeks. That means that last week we lost on two of our bets. Um, we're currently at minus 265 in Europe, which, as you so so appropriately said last week, we really hope you're paying attention in NA, because that's what's floating us right now, is our NA predictions. Uh, so maybe we need a little change in philosophy here. Maybe we need a little magic. Yeah. Perhaps some unicorn magic, because they're currently 4-0. Yes. They're 4-0 since we said at the beginning of the preseason that we were we were officially jumping on the unicorns of love bandwagon i would like to say that that we probably added to some of that magic and chase it's gonna take a hell of a lot of magic for the giants to slay the unicorns this week don't you think yeah it's 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 a very tough out and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that unicorns of love are just an incredibly tough out even when you're playing well. I didn't feel like Splice played particularly poorly in their series against Unicorns. Unicorns just showed this tenacity. It's this understanding that even as fights are going bad, 
they never stop fighting. They never stop making decisions. And in game one, you can watch it and you could say like, oh my God, how are they picking these fights? They're so far down. There's no reason to do this here. But at least they're doing something. At least they're trying to get back in because they understand that once you far, fall too far down, you can't get back up. And so they at least have that, you know, they're constantly digging for every little inch they can get. And every game in their series this week, they got a little bit cleaner and a little bit sharper and the communication got better. And it was just, they're just so much fun to watch. Game three, Unicorns of Love, the way they performed, just the sheer communication, the great usage of the Shen and the Rizolts, the way they're constantly rotating around the map. If they play like that, they can beat anybody. That's a team that could win a championship. Uh, game one, Unicorns of Love might beat themselves, and I'm sure Giants will be, you know, looking for that. That would, I think, obviously be the way that, you know, if they could, if they could choose to, you know, which Unicorns of Love shows up, I think you'd take the weaker version every time. The problem is that Giants, their normal version is the weaker version every time. <laughs> I, you know, Flaxish, I've, I've had, you know, mixed feelings about the guy. This is not a meta for him. He can't play tanks. He just doesn't know how to do it. And Giants were just so convinced that they you need to have these team fights. They're still trying to win that way because letting Knight dominate in those team fights was the way they won last year. Start split push comps, guys. People are doing split push comps nowadays. Let Flaxish be on a carry in top lane that you trust him to play well on. Let Knight roam around and force people to one-on-one -on -one duel him in a side lane. Play to your strengths, guys. Because and, and to be fair, to be fair, they tried to do that in game two. It just expect played out of his mind. I don't know what the game two composition was trying to be. You can tell me that they were trying to split push. I guess Riven technically tries to split push, but they didn't really split push all that much on her for what they were trying to because do. Because she fell behind. The, the, the problem but, is they, they specifically picked, picked the Riven because it's supposed to be a, a good, strong early matchup. And if you can get ahead, you're going to beat Shen. You're going to beat Shen for, for a period of time. And then Shen eventually turns into a mobile tank and you just go, okay, when he ults, the rest of my team backs off and I take a tower, I take an inhibitor. And the problem was that, that Expect just got ahead. Expect outplayed Flaxish, which should happen. I think Expect is a slightly better player, but he just outplayed him, got to the point where the Riven couldn't do anything one-on-one -on -one against the Shen. And what else are you supposed to do? Well, Riven does have a knock-up, a shield, and a stun. So I guess let's go team fight. And yeah... I, I'm trying to make it work, but, like, I, I just think it was just Flax just got outplayed and their composition required him to beat Expect, and he didn't. I, I mean, he undoubtedly got outplayed. I don't think that's really up for debate. I think, though, I, I think I would have loved a lot more, like, if you're going to do that, like, is Ivern the best thing to do? And if you are, then why isn't he spending more time up in top lane to try to turn that match around since that's the only way you win this? You know, right. I, it just, it didn't feel like, you know, it's not like we were seeing a great, you know, split push from, a, you know, Talia theoretically should do it, but they didn't really make the most out of it either. I, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough. If they're finally getting to the point where they, they want to play that way, then... They've got to get sharper with it. But the team fights that we saw in game one and the team fighting compositions that they've picked in earlier weeks, those aren't working. So Giants path of victory is split push against unicorns of love and hope that, you know, their desire to pick fights means that they overextend and you can punish that. I just feel like unicorns of love are sharp enough to adjust to whatever Giants are going to throw at them. They know how to play against split push comps. 
I, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I, I think that it's pretty clear that uh, Unicorns of Love should be favored, but. Well, how sharp is your guessing? Chase, where do you put the line? I have it at minus 500. See, you're going to win this one. Yeah. Because, uh, because I'm dumb. And I did exactly the opposite that I do in North America, which is account for the casinos. And I didn't. And I overreacted because last week G2 was minus 1,000 against Giants. I was like, well, come on. Like, Unicorns love. They're 4-0. Giants are terrible. They lost last week. Like, come on. It's going to be. I said Unicorns of Love minus 1,250. Whoa! I am stupid. Whoa! Do not be me, folks. (laughs) Uh, The actual line is Unicorns of Love minus 588. That is Giants at plus 375, and I wouldn't touch that with a 30-foot pole. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair – that's about where I, I thought the line should be. I'm just, like, I'm in shock that you went high. That's never how you lose these things. This is a, this is a whole new era of the podcast, clearly. I, mean, I, I must clearly have been mourning the loss of my favorite team in the Super Bowl or something like that. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I may have just, I may have poured myself into my work this week, guys. I may have uh, put a little bit extra time and effort distracting myself. I mean, really preparing for this episode. Well, I hope Prawley is really prepared because our next game is G2 versus H2K. G2, the 4-0 team from Group A, they're taking on the 3-1 H2K of Group B. This is the matchup this week I'm probably most excited for. Because I really want to see... I, I think that H2K is an exceptional roster. I think they've proven that they have in, they have molded their Korean bot lane into kind of the fulcrum of H2K's identity. They really have moved on from the forgiven style of play and are pretty much solely putting their fate in Yonkos' hands and saying, carry us to the promised land. And now he's against the other best jungler in Europe. The two-time MVP in Trick. So Chase... How does this series go? What is? Give me the play-by-play of what happens in this series. Predict it for me. Well, the one thing we know for a fact is that H2K is going to go for teamfighting compositions. That's where they feel the most comfortable. Absolutely. That's where they feel safe. Uh, I, I think that maybe they're a little bit too reliant on that style of play. I would like to see another path, but it makes a lot of sense when you consider that they have so much faith that Yankos is going to get that first blood, that he's going to make the early impact so that by, you know, they'll get away with a little bit of scaling uh, to the point where they're going to be able to turn these team fights and be ahead in gold and have had the scaling to get them there. It, it's, you know, it's a very good strategy, assuming that Yankos is going to get off on all these ganks. And the problem with that is that Expect has become possibly, if he's not the best top laner in Europe, he's top two. The guy's been on fire. What? He's, oh, God. No. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. No. I'm all in. He, no. The one thing, the biggest problem I had with Expect last year, and the thing I slammed him for over and over, were the terrible use of globals. Terrible TPs, you know, too late to some fights, too early for others, just bad decision-making time and time again. Guy's been perfect with his globals. He's been playing nothing but Shen, and you can tell. He's like, look, you don't think I can teleport. What if I teleport twice as often? And actually do it at the right time now. And I'm like, ah, oh, come here, expect. I, I knew I could, you know, I wanted to believe you could do it, buddy. He's, he, as far as I'm concerned, he might, he's one of the most improved players uh, that we've seen from last split to now. I'm all in. I'm, I'm, I believe that he's figured out a key uh, component of his game that has really allowed him to step forward. And I have a lot of problems with some of the other top laters that are in Europe. I don't know. 
I guess I'm, I, I got to look over the list now as to, as to who I'm forgetting, what fan base is mad at me right now. Chachi and Oduwamne. Chachi, uh, Chachi, yeah. No, no, this is what I was going to say about Oduwamne. And this is, I'm going to say for him and Fabivan, they need a little bit more from you guys. I, I think that Oduwamne was too hesitant to make plays uh, yes. in, in this particular series. I think that yes. he plays very conservatively. And that's a problem when this is a meta in which he's basically the only tank. You're putting Yankos on a, the kind of champion in which he's going to be doing a lot of damage because you need those kills. Correct. Uh, but, you know, and, and I guess if he's playing Ivern, which he played a brilliant Ivern, I was not expecting his Ivern to be as good as it was, but it turns out Yankos can who, play who anything. Who thought Yankos could play Ivern? That seems so, so counterintuitive. Right. It's, it's one of those things, like, I, I, it's, I, I mentioned this in my notes. I'm like, how does anyone go on a rampage with Ivern? Like, he had multiple kill streaks in that game. On Ivern, how? Yeah, it can happen. It's not, most guys, most of the time, Ivern's there to rack up assists after assists, because shields on shields on shields. You know, this is not a champion that's supposed to be doing all this damage. Yankos doesn't care, and I love that about him. Um... But Oduwamne and Fabivan, they need to be will uh, more in tune as far as being willing to make a play. I feel like they they wait to pull the trigger, and that's just something you can't do against a team like G two because G two is the best team in the in the league. And I understand that people get bored of talking about it. I I fall into this trap too, guys. I'm constantly looking to hype up new teams. I want to get excited about all these different powers and the players that are rising to the occasion. I just feel like the fact that Sven went three games in a row without dying and I didn't even notice just says so much about how good he is as a player. He, he's just been, he's been perfect. Mithy has been the best roaming support that we've seen. I mean, he's been on fire. And Perks, yes, he has some problems. I, I think his, his rise had some issues here uh, in game two, but his echo in game one was gorgeous oh my god as an echo main i love it so much he understands and it's it's one of those things like how do you fix perks's positioning problems easy hit r done perfect champion for perks i love it you know you know what he should play you know what he should play what should he play another champion that likes to press r when he's about to die oh wait it's after he dies it's karthus <laughs> i think i think perks should play karthus and he should rain down that requiem and get some get some pentakills. Let's rain Requiem down here on this guest chase. Yes. Where do you think the line is? Man, I agonized over this one. I still don't feel good about it. I said G2 minus 175. I think they get the respect from being the team that's won back-to-back -back splits. They haven't lost a series yet, while H2K has. And G2's barely dropped a map this year. Uh, I, I think it's. I think you would be silly not to give them a, the, the credit where credit is due. So you beat me on this one by about 18 points. Oh, I wow. said G2 minus 450 because I thought G2 was so far like spaced out ahead of everyone because of last year because of the algorithm. All of a sudden I came back. I was like, oh, yeah, we're playing against the casino now. <laughs> and uh, no, it's G2 minus 303. So you do wow. win this one. Uh, wow. Really? H2K won. I mean, that's still, that's still pretty incredible. H2K is at plus 220. Okay, um, and our first smart money bet of the week, guys, because we're not getting value anywhere else. That's remotely clear. Look, H2K win this series, I think, 40% of the time. They're a good team. They're a very good team-fighting team. Right now, I have them 
in fourth, but only because Misfits, I have, you know, I'm seeing this very nice upward trend. H2K could easily be a top two team if they start, you know, getting Fabiven and Oduamne back to what we know they can be. They start getting more confident in themselves and, and taking a few more risks. I would love to see that. This is a very winnable series for H2K. I, it, it is winnable. My only issue, though, is that H2K really hasn't shown a propensity to win any other way other than have Yankos carry us through the early game and get us far enough ahead that our conservative play style doesn't matter. And he's playing against two-time jungle MVP trick. This is a concern. So, I, I, I understand the concern. Seems like G2 has the perfect counter to H2K is let our jungler run wild and... We have the best juggler in the West? Maybe? <laughs> Possibly? It's it's in play. I think... Uh, I, we'll see. Let's see if there are any better odds. I, I can I can be talked out of that one, but... Uh, well, as entertaining as, as the G2H2K series is, this one might be a little better. Hmm. Splice versus Misfits. This series, to me, really depends which version of Splice shows up. And Marty, I love you, dude. You're awesome. You were a great guest to have on the podcast. If you haven't watched that interview, go watch that interview right now. But I'm starting to feel like there are two sides to Splice. There's the really good summer one, and there's the not-so-good spring one. And the not-so-good spring one is rearing its head a little bit more often than the vicious viper that was the summer Splice roster. Chase, am I wrong here? Am, am I wrong to now start to be a little bit more worried about this team? No, I, I'm worried about this team. And I, I'm going to, I want to talk to a player directly here. Um, okay. Dear Sencux, are you good? Are you good? Do you know if you're good? I don't know if you're good. I want you to tell me whether you want to be the kind of mid laner that people can, can really get excited about and be the playmaker on a team. Because in this meta, you know, Kabi and Mickey cannot do more than they are doing. I think that Kabi and Mickey, in the preseason, I was worried whether they were going to maintain what they did. I think they have. I like the way they clean up fights. I like the way they've been playing the laning phase. I haven't noticed either of them really getting caught out overextending. People haven't been, you know, picking them off and ganking or tower diving them. They've done really well at managing the lanes in that way. But... Man, I don't know what else Trashy could be doing to try to set him up for success. And, and Trashy has his own issues. I'm not, you know, trying to, to say that he's like some genius uh, jungler that's been getting everything 100% right. I feel like Trashy shows up about 60% of the time. Uh, when he falls behind early, he just doesn't recover. If he yes. could stay even by about 15 minutes, he's going to be great. Or yeah. ahead, obviously. But if he's behind by 15 minutes, he's just kind of out of it. Um, but... Senkux, you've got to be a playmaker in this meta. When the bot lane isn't going to be the one doing the most amount of damage, and these fights, you know, 80 carries in 2017, lull, the memes are there for a reason, and Wonder is playing tanks because that's what, you know, most of the top laners that are good are trying to do, It's it falls on you, man. And I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's just that people are really starting to get a handle on him. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe he's just the guy that he was back in the spring. And that guy really did struggle. But this is a team that understands the game. This isn't something where I can point to, like I point to some of the other bad teams. Or like I'm going to point to, say, Fnatic coming up. Mm -hmm. Where I can say that there are clear macro mistakes that are holding them back. It's not the system that's holding them back. The, the way they are playing the map, the way that, you know, they, you know, 
when they remembered a ward, which was a problem in game three, but everything else, they, they do well, yeah. they manage the waves, they, they, you know, they try to make plays towards neutral objectives, but they can't execute it because right now they're not playing at the same level of talent that we saw. And teams are picking apart these individuals. And when you're being judged by your worst player, that's, you know, if, if the worst player on your team is what's defining how good you're going to be, then what you're getting is a team that's very middle of the pack. They're too good and too smart to lose to bad teams. They're not talented enough and not that much smarter than the teams that are above them to, to make me feel great about it. And Ultimately, that leaves us with Misfits doing Misfits things. And as we said at the beginning, I love seeing how this team has found multiple ways to succeed. They've gone mostly the, the poke style has been what we saw this week, but they have this understanding that as long as they can, you know, they do well enough early, and, and this week they weren't necessarily doing as well early as they have, Correct. but do good enough early, pick out mistakes, punish them. If Splice is making these kind of micro mistakes, Misfits is salivating about the thought of it. So, are so, you good so, or not, Senkux? So, Let's find so, out. so, so my thing here is I think that Misfits is a good starting matchup for the other group for Splice. Yes, because I feel like the mid and jungle are pretty even. Um, I know, I know, we're downplaying Senkux a lot. His laning has a lot to be desired. He's at the bottom three and all in three out of the four uh, laning statistics and the other one is like gold differential and that's or gold per minute and that's something that's kind of affected if your jungler doesn't do anything in the early game and for the record those numbers are inflated by that crazy cheesy Mordekaiser game so that's when we're giving him the benefit of a game in which he dominated because they had no idea how to play against Mordekaiser uh, that's not great to sort of then go after trashy splice has an 11% first blood ratio that is the worst in the league and it's a good 30 points lower than the second place, which is Unicorns of Love, Rocket, and G2 at 40% of their games. Really so that's like bad. one game they've gotten first blood. It's like really one. bad. <laughs> uh, you bring up the warding, they are second worst in Europe in terms of wards per minute at 3.17, just above Unicorns of Love. Yeah. Bizarre. Sometimes stats are bizarre. Hey, that just remember, this is what sad. the G2 system was, right? Trap wasn't a great warder. Sad. Power of Evil is not that far above Senkux in laning stats. He's not an overly aggressive person lane. In fact, their damage per minute is actually pretty even. The difference is Power of Evil is five points ahead of him in terms of the, the percent of his team's damage. So Misfits really relies on him to be the majority of their damage. Mm -hmm. uh, he's sitting at 30%, um, which puts him just below Hjarnit. And, and Rockat is Rockat. So they really rely on him. That's where I think that Splice maybe can work with Wonder, can focus on Wonder. He has always been the crux of their success. We look back at spring, we look back at summer. I think that Trashy needs to go back to that. He really needs to sit on Wonder, get him ahead, and allow Wonder to be the playmaker that he is. Because up until this split, he has been fantastic in terms of his teleports, in terms of his uses of Shen ultimates. He's very good at joining, at knowing when to join his team and when to say, screw you guys, I'm going to split push. And he doesn't care what champion he's on. He'll split push his Maokai. He doesn't care. If that's the right decision for him to make, that's what he's going to do. So I, I want to see Trashy go more up to the top lane, focus on that. I think that the mid lane is kind of a wash. And and hope that this is, you know, you get Kakao on something he's not quite comfortable on and he has kind of an off game. Chase, all that said and done, where do you see the line for this? 
You know, you, you say that it's a, a wash in the mid lane. I think Power of Evil is slightly better the way he's playing right now. I, I really like the way he's handling himself in team fights. That was the little bit of an edge that I that led me to say I, ha I have it misfits minus one thirty. I think that you know, yeah. as you said, their spice should play around wonder, and if they do, it's going to be a very close series. But I think that they're uh, the misfits are going to find just enough. Well, Walter finds just enough to get on the scoreboard here. I said Misfits minus 165. It is Misfits minus 150. Okay. That puts Splice at 115. I think it's fair. Misfits has been playing better. They have a better record. Splice has been kind of mediocre. Like, I think that's a fair line. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is a pretty close series. Oh, it's a very close series. I mean, the best case scenario for Misfits means relying on Splice to make a mistake in the mid to late game. And while Splice has been more likely to make them this year than they were last year, their macro play is clean enough that Misfits are going to have to be more proactive than they probably were this week. I'll put it that way. We'll, we'll have to see how they adjust to it. It's going to be a very fun series. I think we'll learn it's, a lot. Uh, it's minus 105 for it to go three maps. Minus right. 105. I like that. I like might it have too. to go back to that. That's why I looked it up. That's why I looked it up. You might have to come back to that. Minus 105. That's, that's pretty decent for something that I think is almost guaranteed to go three games. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, I don't really want to talk much about these other three games. But this is the most interesting of the three games. Uh, Fnatic versus Vitality. <laughs> Battle of the French top leaders. Um, Battle of the roster moves, more like. Uh, yeah. I, that, that, we talked about Vitality, Betsy Hachani, and, and moving on and we, you know, starting this rookie that hasn't played in two years, but we have Broxa replacing Amazing for the next two weeks, and he has looked very, very good in their one series in the Challengers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say very good. I thought he looked good. I, I watched the series very closely um, because, obviously, I don't know as much about Challenger as a general rule. I wanted to get a good read on the guy. Um, he only played Ivern. He was good at steals. He got a couple big uh, dragon and baron steals that were quite nice. Uh, his positioning needs a little bit of work. That's what something that you can learn on an LCS stage playing with the you know these big name players and, and to not, be no, fair, a certain big name player that he's replacing, his positioning needs a little work. Oh God, I you know amazing. I really wanted to root for you this offseason, man. If you go back and listen to my preview on Fnatic, I wanted to believe that a bounce back year was in play. No. I'm, I'm not happy about this. This is just a guy that just looks lost and confused. And sometimes I just wonder if he understands, like, if he, he's not conscious of some of the mistakes he's making. Like, why is he playing full damage Elise like a tank? Is it just autopilot? Why is he like, playing full damage Elise? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah. what I don't understand. Which, which, I don't know which part is autopilot. I don't know if he just built things based off of just some crazy idea that came off in his head. Or I don't know if he just plays the champion in a very particular way so much that he didn't adjust for his build. Either way, it was just kind of sad. It was just, it was sad. I, it was not a guy who was struggling because he wasn't, trying he was a guy that was struggling because he just didn't know what to do and couldn't adjust to the clear mistakes that he was making and at some point look at the definition of insanity you know you're not you know fanatic doesn't want to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result to which my response is so why is kick is still on your challenger team and so still on the main <laughs> roster 
Kickus was amazing! Oh my god, did you see him? Like, people were like, oh yeah, this Broxa guy looks good. Kickus looked phenomenal! I think Kickus could be a top five top laner if he came in right now! God, he's good! He's really, really fun to watch! I don't... You know, and, and for the record, uh, Reckless, I'm gonna give you a, a free piece of PR advice. If your challenger team is beating your main roster... That's, you know, that could be a, a good thing, right? You know, it's, it gives you guys, means you have a great practice partner. It means that you have a lot of talent that's growing up that maybe can join you guys later. Not something you should be telling the population. Yeah, that is a terrible that. message to send. That's really bad. It's really bad. Because then what you basically told all your Fnatic fans is, hey, we have a better team available and we're not using it. <laughs> Yay! God, I just, man, it's, it's... They have a better AD carry that they're just not using? I, I mean... Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm glad you brought up Reckless, because this is going to transition greatly in, into my point. Yeah, please. We talk about when we don't bring up people. We talk about, oh, we don't bring up Zvet. We didn't bring up Zvet. Yeah. We're not talking about Reckless at all. And he's, he's the star on this team. Let's be oh. honest. He's supposed to be the star on this team. Absolutely. And I get it, the meta, it's not that great. But he was never a, I'm going to play Vayne and outplay people, AD carry. Mm -hmm. This is like his jam. Like playing more utility, playing more team focused. Maybe, yeah, he fits more in with like a Lucian or something. But like he was never, I'm going to get right in your face and hard carry against you. And he's been really quiet. There aren't a lot of moments where I go, oh, we we'll Cow Reckless is playing out of his mind. There's been a couple games, and, and, and a couple of them he's lost. Um, he's had a couple games where he's just lost and they haven't played well. But, like, he's getting buried in the Caps hype. He's getting buried in the disappointment that we have from from um, from Soaz and Amazing. Like, it's just, is this just the type of player he is now? It's just... Look, it, I'm glad you brought him up, too, because outside of PR stuff, I love what Reckless is doing this year. I'd like to point out he's only died 12 times in I'm, 11 I'm not, games. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's, that's like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But, he's, like, the quietest all-star. He's like Pau Gasol. He's quiet. Well, here's the problem with Reckless. It doesn't matter if he does well. And I, and I I can't imagine how frustrating that is for Reckless because he is such a talented player and there are metas in which he was able to determine whether his team was successful or not. This Fnatic team, for whatever reason, despite the fact that Reckless is playing so well every game, refuses to play around him. They just don't do it. Amazing ganked for Soaz every single time. For whatever reason, it was, we have to get Soaz ahead because this is the way that Soaz plays and we can't afford to let him tilt if he stops doing so well. So we're going to send our resources up that way instead of ganking for, you know, the bot lane that's doing really well. We have to gank for Caps because so much of how they're building their team compositions relies on Caps being an incredibly talented player. He has to get these kills in order to turn these fights around and they're putting him on these kind of assassins where it's all feast or famine and they need him to feast. You know, why is he playing Zed? Why is he playing Katarina? You have Reckless! Let the AD carry clean up in a teamfight composition. Why are you not trusting your best player, Fnatic? Because he's Baby Faker! He's Baby Faker! Baby Faker, Baby Faker, Playmaker! Sure, and look, I this is not an insult to Caps for the record. As a young guy, I think he's doing pretty well. I think he's had more good games than bad ones. But that's not the strength of your team. It's a lack of just understanding of your own skill set that 
baffles me because this is not the problem we usually have with Fnatic. We always talk about the Fnatic system, Fnatic's infrastructure, Fnatic's ability to take players and make them as good as they can be. And they're not doing that. And you could say that they haven't done it since Daylor left, and I wouldn't necessarily argue with you. That was about to be my point. Uh, we talk about the Fnatic system, but but we talk about the Fnatic system of Xpeke and Cyanide and, and Soaz, and then that got transitioned into Daylor, who's this, you know, totalitarian, you know, by-the-numbers type coach from everything that we've heard from, and that didn't bode well with certain egos and whatnot. And, and now... <laughs> I don't think Nico Pico is a bad coach, but there wasn't anything that was pointing at him like he's a super, super successful coach. He did okay being Peke's puppet in Orion. Like, he's okay. We added in Koobs, who's never been anything to knock your socks off. Like, I just, I, I, I don't think the Fnatic infrastructure is there anymore. I don't think it's something that we can point to and say, this is a strength. We know they're going to, you know, get their players up to speed. But then at the same time, Fnatic Academy is there disproving this entire theory. Yeah, so. well, well, and this is the thing. Every other Fnatic, I mean, look at their CSGO team. Look at their, uh, you know, look at their uh, Heroes of the Storm team. This is a, a organization that knows how to create talent. And it, honestly, I, I think that it's, you know, some of it might come down to ego. Some of it might come down to, well, this is the way we've always done it. Some of this might come down to, Maybe Reckless doesn't want to be the playmaker. I don't know. I'm not there. But there seems to be yeah. such an obvious answer just staring them in the face. And then they look and go, I don't know what to do. It's there. It's right there. Just look at it. It's right there. Have Jezus play Soraka. Sure. That's the answer. Have Jezus play Soraka. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think Vitality, bringing up Soraka, they, they need a wish here. Chase, where do you see the line? Yeah, uh, we'll see uh, whether their wish gets granted or not. I have Fnatic... I have it at minus 180. I, I think the casinos have been weird about Vitality for a while. I might have played myself here, well, though. Don't worry, because I was in the same kind of boat as you. I said Fnatic minus 170. We played ourselves. It is Fnatic minus 227. Chase is now up 3-1. to one. I need to win the next two games for us to tie it up. And, and Chase, I just want to burn through these games quick. What, what's uh, uh, Vitality's odds, just real quick? Uh, Vitality is at plus 170. Thank you and very much. before the change, you might have been able to, like, kind of be like, well, interesting. But I think the Fnatic roster change is an upgrade. I think the Vitality roster change is a downgrade. So that goes, I don't think Vitality stands a chance. Uh, but who knows? Guys, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Stay away! When you have two subs like this, don't touch this game. You don't. We yeah. don't know how this is gonna work. Any, anything can happen. I, yeah. Like you can tell me. You can tell me on Monday. Like, oh yeah, Vitality crushed him in a quick two zero, and I'd be like, well, yeah, I guess. Crossing starts on Friday. Anything could change. Like we don't know. I'm tired of it. Let's move on. <laughs> well, uh, you're tired of that one. We're just gonna burn through these games. Uh, I we don't need to talk about it. We already talked about the two good teams in that. H2K versus Rocket. Is there a chance Rocket wins this game? Any one uh, percent chance? How do they win? Um. I give them a 5% chance. I Look, Rockat, I love you guys. You know I do. I'm a fan, and I believe in the process. And I believe in it because you have some promising moments. Faxi is a promising player. He makes good individual efforts, and he, most importantly, he learns from his mistakes. I saw him, you know, there was a great moment in game one where he had, you know, 
kind of really struggled in game one, overextended against Soaz a couple times, and Soaz got the benefit of those trades, and it really punished him. And in game two and three, he was so much better when dueling Soaz. He didn't make those, you know, he didn't overextend in that way anymore. Maxlor and Betsy? I'm starting to understand why Knight did so well last year, because Maxlor knows how to gank for his mid laner. He is, that is when he is at his best, and when he's making those plays in the early game, he looks like a good jungler, and Betsy had some moments. But they have no idea how to work together as a team. They have no macro play. They have very, you know, the vision has not been ideal. Even when they're placing wards, the placement of them hasn't been great. Their uh, wave uh, balance is terrible. They're so bad at wave management. How do you have all three lanes pushing into you as so many times? It's It seems almost impossible to be that bullied in constantly, even when you haven't necessarily lost an inhibitor or even an inner tower in sometimes. It's it's crazy to me that, uh, you know, that they're still struggling with some of these concepts, but I guess you have to trust that Grabs is going to get you there. And to that I say, Rocket gave Fnatic Camille on when they were on blue side. I'm not sure how much I trust that, but uh, well. I... I had the line at uh, H2K minus 600. Surprisingly, I almost nailed this one. Huh. I said H2K minus 450. It is H2K minus 455, which okay. puts Rock at at plus 300. Yeah. I wouldn't touch this one with a 40-foot pull. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's a very fair line, which is to say there's no reason to bet on it. And probably not to watch it either, unless you're like me, and every little glimpse of something being formed gives you a little bit of hope deep within the cold recesses of your heart. Um, otherwise, yeah, there's no reason to watch this game. And there's definitely no reason to watch the next series. I don't, and I don't know And now it's time fan. for everyone's favorite game show. We haven't played this since it was SKT in season five. But guys, this is how high can we get the line to go for the overwhelming favorite team? Ladies and gentlemen, Chase's guess for G2 versus Origin is minus 2,000. And with that, you're going to win the week, sir, because I did not go high enough. I said G2 minus 1,250, the same exact line I had for Unicorns of Love over Giants for some bizarre, bizarre reason. <laughs> uh, the actual line, G2 minus 3,333, putting Orion at plus 900. There and I is. would rather take the uh, the over on, uh, on Nahoon's losing streak. I'm going to put that at minus 30.5. I'm going to take the over on that one because Origin is terrible. It's really bad. I don't understand how you could be so, you know, decent at laning and so bad at literally everything else. There's not... I can find bright spots in Rockat, despite the fact that they haven't won a series yet. I can find bright spots for Vitality, for Giants, for, you know, whatever other team you want to name. This is the embodiment of despair. I don't know how, if you're an Origin fan, A, you've managed to remain an Origin fan, and B you talk yourself into watching uh, week after week. It's it's rough. Uh, like I said, there's an argument that Nehud is the best guy on this team. Wisdom and Heva, I'm not even sure they've heard of the word positioning. 
I'm not positive. Someone should tell them that you can actually, you know, you should actually be in a very particular spot when you're trying to engage, because I don't think they know. Um, it's, it's really, really bad. Well, you know what I know? What do you know? Is that we need to make some smart money bets. You do. I, I'm not convinced that anything came up with more value than H2K plus 220. Yeah, I, I think H2K over G2 at plus 220. I... I think that the two teams are very close, and because this has such overwhelming uh, underdog favorability for H2K, it's sort of you have to take it yeah. if you want to try to make some money. For, for the record, if you're just doing this in like a pick 'em or whatever else, I do think G2 wins this series. I just think that H2K could win it like 40% of the time, and this is way better than 40% of the time odds value, so we have to take it. Um, plus, plus 220 is 31%. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, oh. and that's when the casinos are taking a VIG. That, that's how they think they're being generous uh, with, uh, with that one. I, man, I, I love, uh, so, I love So, it. I guess we, we can do one of two things here. We can say Splice beats Misfits and get a little, like, underdog value, or we say that series is going to, going to three games and just take the minus 105 and hang our hat that this is going to be a really close series. Let's just take Misfits minus 150. I just want to win, Walter. After this weekend, after the way that Europe's gone, I think Misfits just wins this series. I think it's more likely that Misfits wins. Like, I don't want to lose this because Misfits 2-0'd Splice, which I think is in play. I don't, I, that's not I, how I want to go I out. I don't think that's in play. I don't think a 2-0 is in play. Not with Misfits here. Okay. Then let's but, do then let's do the minus no, but but, but, we, but I do think Misfits wins the series and I want the win too. So <laughs> Misfits minus 150 uh I wouldn't I wouldn't like be mad if you went, you know, the the plus uh two and a half maps at minus 105 or even if you took splice here I don't think I'd be too angry, but like yeah, we need to make some money back cuz uh we're we're a little bit in the hole here, but there's still plenty of time left. We have 6 more weeks of regular season action. 6, not 5. Six, and then we have like three weeks of playoffs. Plus, then there's the promotional tournament, which maybe we can make some money back on that. We still got a lot of time to catch up in Europe. And guys, if you enjoyed the episode, we've already shouted out two other episodes specifically of European only content. Those are our interviews with Splice's Laser Chicken, the co-founder and co-owner of Splice, and the Unicorns of Love CEO Yos Unicorn uh, UOL Dad Malant. Go check those videos out if you want some more direct European content. And you guys can follow us on Twitter to get our thoughts and ideas as the games are going on. And some other nitpicks here and there. You know, maybe some thoughts about the uh, the new, uh, you know, tournament yeah. format. How hyped? I, I'm hyped. I want to say shout out to Riot. You finally figured out the exact format that you and I have mentioned on this podcast for about two years now. Now that I see it, I'm conflicted, though. So follow us on Twitter for those. You can follow me at CDs underscore LOL. Chase? I'm at RedshirtKing. You can follow me for all of my thoughts on Europe and all of the despair that came from Sunday. Uh, it's uh, I love talking to you guys. We've had a lot of really great uh, feedback and a lot of really fun conversations uh, all over social media. So please know we do read every comment and we really do appreciate it. And you folks at home, you guys can put away your tissues. There is no need to despair. We will be back tomorrow with week four of the North American LCS Guest Alliance episode. So until then, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com 
backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming, or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show, or eight bucks a month, gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at roughdraftspod, facebook.com backslash roughdraftspod, soundcloud.com backslash esportsroughdrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.